0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of What's Good. Greg Meskel here with you. As a reminder, make sure to like, subscribe, rate on iTunes and Spotify. Today, talking basketball and a new version of basketball. It's coming to the Olympic Games, three-on-three hoops. Someone that hopes to be there, repping Team USA, Kareem Maddox. Kareem, thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Kareem, I'm sure you've had to give this elevator pitch quite a bit when you're talking three-on-three, where people say, well, we know you played college basketball. You played in Princeton. Now you do this three-on-three thing in your mind what what are the big differences outside of the obvious right outside of the half court and three on three what else really jumps out at you as a change
1: yeah i think the pace of it um you know this is a 12 second shot clock and there, it's continuous play so you know if you score you don't just check it up you just you can throw it the other team can just throw it right out so there's a transition element uh, that's new and exciting um yeah, so I, I think like just the pace of the game as a player. I mean, it's I I, I think I'm more exhausted at the end of a ten minute game, uh, of three x three than I've really ever felt at the end of a uh, a five on five game. Maybe that's just getting older too. <laughs> <laughs> and Kareem, part of part of Team USA, uh, part of a group that is
0: trying to qualify three uh, x three or three on three, making their debut at the Olympic Games. So we talked a bit, you played at Princeton traditional five and five basketball, uh had a great career there, kind of really, really turned things around at that program. Just tell us a bit about about your time there and, and kind of that journey from going to to one of the the worst records in Princeton history to then one of the best.
1: Yeah. So we showed up freshman year um in two thousand seven. Uh, There was a lot of changes happening. We had the coach I actually committed to play for left. We got a new coach um, and, you know, thus a new identity um, and a new style of play. So um, as freshmen coming in, we just had to get with the program. You know, the Princeton offense is one that, you know, there's a long history of. It's been successful in the past. And um, even that was undergoing some some changes um, as the game of basketball has changed. So. uh, So, yeah, so freshman year was tough. I mean, we won six games. Lost twenty three games, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 slowly, you know, had to change the identity of the team um, in in many different ways. We had an excellent staff and coaches that you know I'm still in touch with today that helped us do that. Um, th- that were obviously very invested in doing that as well uh, and leading the charge. Um, and then my senior year, you know, I, I don't remember our record, but we won the Ivy League. We I think it was at the time one of the best records in Princeton history, and Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of tough, tough days and tough games in between freshman and senior year, but um, I even, you know, even as bad as we were freshman year and the steady improvement, I don't think there's anything that I would go back and change. I I feel like I grew a lot as a person and uh, as a basketball player. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it feels a little bit like, um, you know, uh, a, a time in my life where I can remember where, you know. You really have nothing to lose like you can't yeah. get worse than we were freshman year <laughs> and so to to know what it feels like um uh, to you know have nothing to lose and but also to feel like you're you know your back's against the wall um if you don't want to be this bad for four years um and and learning how to like claw and fight your way out of that
0: and then you mentioned the record I, I think it was 25 and 7 in that uh senior year of yours so of course uh An excellent run, and it's interesting. And you know this, having having played in it. But a lot of times, and this is no knock on the on playing sports in an Ivy League, but it it can get a reputation that's maybe not as intense as if you were going to the ACC or the SEC to do something. Certain sports, right? There's certain practice limitations and hours. And you know, I've heard this mantra before, right? Like the sport can be part of your life, not your whole life, right? When you're at when you're at an Ivy League institution, but that doesn't take away the efforts that you and your teammates are making. So how do you balance when you're at a place like that, where um, people are doing a bunch of other things that maybe they consider more important than sports. You have other pursuits you're after, but you're also trying really hard to be great at basketball.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say that, (laughs) if you look at it from the hours in the gym perspective, it probably doesn't look all that much different than any other program. Yeah. Um, the differences are, you know, the Ivy league doesn't give scholarships. So as athletes, you're paying to be there. Um, and you know, thankful and thankful, and grateful for it, um, for the opportunity, um, to play division one basketball, but also get this, this great education. So, um, I, I think, you know, the other thing is that, um, you know there was no special treatment as an athlete and so you know if you know some professors were were you know huge fans and really accommodating and others were like look the test is this day like (laughs) if you're there you're there you're not you know you're not and um you know that's because that they you know maybe didn't take athletics as seriously um but you know for us it's like It it just built our skills like time management, communication. How do you, you know, uh, win someone over to your side by, um, you know, uh, no matter whether it's academics or athletics, people respect results um, and hard work. So um, those are just, I would say, some additional skills that we had to to learn. And, you know, our our coaches were the same. They're like, look, grades. If you don't have the grades to play, then you're not going to be able to play, number one, number two if you're not communicating with your professors the way that you need to, that's going to be a problem for us because that's going to affect, you know, what you can do on the court. So, um, so yeah, it, it, I think in many ways, it's, it's a lot tougher. Um, but, you know, in, in, in on the court, you're still expected. It's not like, I mean, we played Duke, we played sure. Arizona state, like we were playing the same teams. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, uh, an additional kind of kind of uh, life lessons that you have to learn very quickly
0: well it's interesting too because of the way a lot of college basketball uh, conferences have been structured this year I know coaches have been looking to the ivy league for guidance it's something that you are well versed in but that ivy league schedule of going back to back playing friday saturday a lot of conferences have gone to that now due to the pandemic try and limit limit COVID. asking ivy leaguers okay how'd you how'd you do this how'd you get ready for all this sort of thing what what were the challenges if you think back to that and i'm sure it's challenges that teams have had to embrace now
1: yeah um you know, I always actually really liked um, the, the, the schedule that we had there. And it, it was it's, it's created such that you miss as little class time as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's why we play, you know, Ivy League games on Friday, Saturday nights. Um, you're not allowed to, you know, you can't, um, they limit like travel time, basically. So you can't, you know, drive more than X number of hours. Um, and you can't miss, you know, I don't know, you know, so many days of class. So things like that. Um, yeah, I think going back to that, those are all really good models because I think that, um, you're a student athlete and I think that that needs to be held true, um, for, for athletes at, at every school. And so that, you know, athletes are, are getting the most out of their, their education and that, um, you know, you know, not to, not that I'm, you know, trying to call anyone out or anything like that but you know um there does need to be i think probably greater balance um because at the end of the day you know what's the ncaa commercial it's like you know 90 percent of athletes go pro in something other than sports so you know i i i think that um there maybe this pandemic has been a learning experience and a chance for um that that mantra to kind of become more true um for athletes from any conference
0: Last question about, about that when you're back there playing. I was looking at old clips of, of your playing days at Princeton. Is, is it me or was everyone's shorts gigantic? When I looked at old <laughs> Princeton clips, the uniforms are massive.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were like, I know. The, the, the fashion has definitely changed. When I showed up to school in 07, it was definitely like a baggy phase in in the world. So, you know, our sweats were like, large and so are our jeans and everything was just super baggy and it was um embarrassing almost but yeah like the shorts were were huge I mean I, on the flip side like the shorts are like tiny now like yeah, I, I know it's <laughs> it's like really
0: gone back almost to like like 60s 70s vibes where you're seeing like the the spandex short underneath the very short short game short
1: yeah exactly exactly I don't know just, Look, I'm just trying to stay with the times yeah. so <laughs> um you know I guess mine are shrinking too
0: so as you have moved on from Princeton right I I know you've competed around the world as a as a Princeton team right beyond your your college days how did that get started and 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 was it a goal to kind of continue to play in some fashion I know you played pro elsewhere too but the three and three part of it, the 3x3 part of it how did that develop to now where where you're at on the cusp of potentially being an Olympian
1: sure so yeah 3x3 has been going since a about 2012, I want to say, internationally, Um, you know, FIBA, the International Federation for Basketball, uh, runs it. And, you know, they wanted to create a sport that was more, you know, urban and accessible, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, quote, unquote. And, um, you know, my first experience with it was playing at the USA Basketball National Championships. That was in 2014. Um, And, you know, around that time, you know, even before that, uh, before I got involved, USA Basketball was also concerned with you know um the fact that this might become an olympic sport and there was a push for that and how to you know field teams and be a presence because when it comes to basketball america uh, always uh i think has the the strongest basketball uh tradition um so yeah so i started playing in 2014 and and this this iteration this format these rules and um i you know i took a year i was working you know, for NPR stations in different parts of the country and also, uh, decided to go play basketball in Poland in 2016, 2017. And that's when they announced that, uh, three on three basketball, three X three basketball had been accepted as an Olympic sport. Um, and so then, yeah, I just kind of said, all right, I'm done playing five on five. I'm going to go get a, you know, normal job. (laughs) And, um, and and compete in the summers because that's the model. It's more like tennis, where you show up for these uh, international tournaments. They happen over the course of a weekend, and then you know I can be back at my desk on on Monday working. So yeah, it's been like a lot of travel, uh, some some <laughs> some long weeks of you know bouncing from country to country, um, trying to work remotely. You know I've been on the work from home you know home train. Sure since like 18. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot, but it's been, you know, really rewarding.
0: Your, your group that will go to qualifying, uh, some, some names, some people might know, right. Robbie Hummel, well-known from Purdue Canyon Barry from Florida, Dominic Jones from Fort Hayes state. So there's the four of you, right. Uh, obviously with a sub, um, as you're, as you're coming out of college, right. And you end up, you, you go and play pro You're Um, not drafted in the NBA. Right. But now you've gotten in this part where you're, you're considered right. One of the, one of the very best three X three players in the U S no knock on your five on five skills. Right. In your mind, what is it about your abilities at three X three that translates to let you be one of the, one of the best the U S has.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, you know, when you watch three X three, you notice that it's the, the pace, I think is Mm -hmm. the first thing that, that people notice. And, the fact that as a player, you find yourself in all different positions uh, at any time. So you can find yourself playing defense against, you know, a small guard or, you know, in the post, trying to, you know, stop someone from posting up on the defensive end or, you know, flip side, you, you, you know, you get you're outside on offense and um, you're being guarded by someone that is. Uh, either quicker than you or taller than you so and you never know what that's going to be in any any given moment possessions are you know roughly 12 seconds so I think versatility is something that that really translates well and I feel like that's always been my game you know and in five on five that's called like a tweener like what are you are you a guard are you a forward you know are you a center sometimes it's good I think for me it's it's always been good because I can play center but I can you know also bring the ball up the court Um, but those you know all those uh, that versatility is Amplified when you play 3x3 and there's you know so many more touches in a game. And sometimes I'm handling the ball coming off the screen, and other times I'm setting the screen and rolling. Um so yeah, so I and you know, you mentioned Robbie Hummel, same kind of deal. He can shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, but he's also 6'8. He can get in the post, he can guard the post, he can guard outside. So I think that's kind of the um, you know, the 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 um, best sort of um body for this game
0: and i watched an interview you'd given it's probably a couple of years ago now but talking about one of the things you had to adapt to in 3x3 was the physicality and i'm, I'm sure, sure you've gotten experience with that more over the last couple of years but <laughs> yeah. just tell us more about that what what was that process like and what weren't you ready for perhaps
1: yeah i mean it's just straight up more physical like it's just they call less fouls and um the idea is that that keeps the game going you know you don't want you know a whistle on every play and um you know i think referees have more uh they they can make more judgment calls as to whether or not a particular like type of physicality off the ball um is actually impacting the game um so there's so there's more leeway for you know uh for guys to you know grab and hold and Um, you know, your cuts are always a little harder and you have to get a little bit, you know, craftier about, you know, how you make them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was just an adjustment. Um, it's, it's cool. I mean, I have no complaints about it. It, You know, once you figure it out and and learn how to play with it, what's within the rules and, you know, how much they can be (laughs) bent and, and how much you have to account for, you know, other teams bending the rules, um. You figure it out pretty quickly and that's that's kind of what's fun. I mean just as challenging as that is like the fact that you play outside yeah. and sometimes it's windy sometimes it's cold sometimes it's hot and <laughs> you never know like um you know it, it, it from a mental standpoint like you just have to really be kind of locked in on the things you can actually control and there's just a wider um range of things that are outside of your control.
0: I know there's been a lot of talk about outdoor events in Tokyo and going back last year, there was a worry about marathon things, beach volleyball and insane temperatures. As it turned out, it was fairly mild during that time last year. I don't know what this summer will bring. Is that a, is that a thought when you talk about these elements and are we going to be out here sweating bullets or will there be an indoor component?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't thought too much about it. Um, You know, the thing that holds true is that both teams that are on the court are playing under the same conditions. So, um, you know, in in terms of preparation, it just helps to be prepared for all different things um, and just, you know, know what your limitations are and try to stretch those. What was the
0: process to make this top four to then be part of the qualifying group or the group that will try and qualify?
1: Yeah. So there's some rules that will, that, that, um, in the country's selection of their team so two players have to be in the top 10 of the four two of the four have to be in the top 10 uh in the country and you earn points um in order to enter the top 10 by playing in FIBA tournaments you know over the course of the past you know three years um and then the other two need a minimal amount of points meaning they have to have played in like one or two FIBA sanctioned tournaments um so, so yeah. So, you know, that was, you know, kind of the process. Our goal is always to be, you know, in the top 10, there's only so many guys that play three X three anyway. So, um, you know, the better you do, the more points you earn, that kind of thing. Um, and then there was a, you know, a trial that took place in, in February. Um, it, it was last February. Wow. Like almost a year ago. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, And, and yeah, from that, like the, the four players and the, uh, two alternates were selected um, for the Olympic qualifying tournament, which was originally scheduled for last March, um, got pushed back by more than a year. Will happen in May this year. That team remains the same. Um, after that, there'll be a national championship, which is another kind of um, qualifier. Uh, so you need that. You need to play in that to be eligible to be to make the Olympic team. And then from kind of that tournament, and you know, evaluation of past performance, um, relationship with um, the sport and things like that will determine the team that, that goes to Tokyo when we qualify.
0: So, so it is one of those things, and this is not uncommon in the Olympics where you can help earn the country's spot, but it doesn't mean that you are, are on the Olympic team just yet.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, uh,
0: a lot, a lot at stake there. I'm sure, um, a lot of thought preparation as you hit on nerves looking ahead to something like this. Do you feel, anxious about this qualifying tournament? Where is it at? I know it's a few months away. Where is it at in your mind right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, before any game you play, whether it's, a, you know, a, a, a men's league, or it's uh, the Olympic qualifying tournament, there's a certain level of, of nerves. And the only way you mitigate that is by being prepared. So um, it's what drives you from day to day, you know, drives me in terms of my training. I know that um, if I'm, you know, in as best shape as I can be. And, um, I'm, I'm getting my shots up. I'm working on my game that, um, that's what I can control. So, you know, um, I haven't thought forward to that, that exact tournament yet, other than, you know, you know, constantly watching film and evaluating the other teams and, and thinking about, you know, how we're going to play. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of generally what I do anyway for the sport. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think as it becomes, you know, as it gets closer, we'll, we'll start to, you know, be able to envision what it's actually going to look like.
0: In a lot of the traditional Olympic sports, uh, gymnastics, a uh, swimming, a uh, track, you talked to a lot of those athletes and their goal since they were five years old was to be an Olympian. This is obviously a newer event in the Olympics, but if you think back to when you're a kid coming up, playing basketball, where were the Olympics in your mind? Was it a dream? Where did it live in your head?
1: Yeah. Well, for me, I actually, I think the Olympics were front and center. I mean, my dad has been – he's gone to every Olympics since 92, Barcelona. and um,
0: Just as a fan or
1: – Yeah, well, he usually volunteers. So, oh, cool. you know, there's a huge volunteer contingent sure. uh, at the Olympics. So people volunteer for that. And he's usually in the press center or, you know, sometimes he's um, – kind of a steward or, or something like that for like, I mean, he's, he's worked in several different things, but his, the point of it is that he goes to yeah. the Olympics cause he loves it. Um, you know, the idea that it brings the world together and, um, you can meet a lot of interesting people and it's, and it's just fun. It's, it's bringing the world together through sport. Um, so, you know, I went because of that, when I was six, I went to the Atlanta, Atlanta Olympics with him and, you know, the friend that he goes with, with every year her every, uh, Olympics. So, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it since then I, I was in the stadium when Michael Johnson broke that 200 meter world record. Um, you know, I, gold shoes, gold chain, yeah. uh, you know, that's a moment that definitely stands out for me. Um, being in the stadium and, um, you know, hearing it kind of roar is, is always something that I remember. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, so for me, I, you know, maybe, um, it's been probably front of mind more than for others. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, just so happened that the sport that I play happens to become, you know, an Olympic sport is just, you know, kind of probably a stroke of, of good luck.
0: And as you're on this journey and you find out, okay, it's going to be an Olympic sport. That's the thing I do. This might all come together. I know there's still teams to be named, but, Around what time did you start to realize, like, hey, if if things bounce the right way, I, I could be an Olympian in all this?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the I feel like that, that thought creeped in in 2014. Um, I remember going to the USA Basketball National Championship. And this was before it was actually uh, selected as an Olympic sport. But that's, you know, that's what people were talking about. And, you know, our coach, Coach uh, Joe Lewandowski. Um, I have, you know, interviews with him because at the time I was a radio producer. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, this is kind of interesting. So I actually collected a lot of tape, was interviewing people from the program and being like, you know, do you think they're gonna actually select this? And, you know, why should it be an Olympic sport? And, you know, there was a lot of excitement back then. So I guess that's when it first started to kind of creep in. Um, But then, you know, I remember being on my couch in Poland um, where I was playing professionally in 2016, 2017, and getting like whatever it was the notification that three on three basketball was, was officially selected um, and it would be in 2020. And so that's when, you know, I kind of thought like, you know, I, I've always been back and forth. Like right after college, I went and played professional for a couple of years in Holland and England. Then I came back, I was working for NPR stations, you know, starting my other career. And then you know I decided to go back and play basketball. So I like I've been you know all back and forth between you know regular life, you know for lack of a better word, and basketball. And this was just the perfect way to kind of blend them both. Like I could you know further my career in, in radio and podcasting, as well as play basketball at the highest level available for this particular style of basketball. So, um, you know. Ever since I would say 2017, I've been full steam ahead, trying to trying to get to 2020.
0: And it sounds like you're 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 sitting on some audio here that'll make for a great little retrospective podcast about the entire or a you know some sort of look look back on the on the genesis of Olympic 3x3.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I mean, going back and listening to, it, I mean, the first yeah. thing that stands out is like, you know, that's when I was getting started. I was like, wow, you're really bad at interviewing <laughs> and um but yeah i mean it, it's interesting I, I think that a lot of predictions that people were making i'm sure they'll be happy to hear that you know they came true sure and what they were saying about the sport and who's good at the sport and what type of player you know need we need to kind of succeed at the sport uh, all kind of ring true even whatever you know seven years later um do you let yourself, you talked about the idea of when being an Olympian first
0: kind of crept in. Do you do you daydream about if you make it and what that might be like if you're there in Tokyo?
1: Totally. I mean, I think that's an uh, important aspect of training is just visualization and, and um, you know, putting yourself in the position that you want to be in, visualizing it and, you know, knowing what it feels like to know if, the, if it's even something you want, you know? So, yeah, I, I think that, Um, you know, luckily, you know, I got a kind of mini version because I played in the Pan American games, which Mm -hmm. is a similar environment to the Olympics, just a lot smaller. Um, so it's, you know, a little bit easier to visualize when you've had that experience. Um, and, you know, I think in order to succeed in any sport at any level, you have to know that you're going to win. And so you imagine what that feels like, what that looks like, and that informs what you need to do to get there.
0: That, that, that's a big challenge for a lot of athletes, especially in the Olympic space to train and you're, everyone knows what you're after, but it's almost like a jinx sometimes. I think athletes feel like, well, I haven't made anything. I haven't won anything, but people get hyped for the Olympics and they're like, you're going to win a gold medal. You're an Olympian, like get amped. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like <laughs> I'm trying to do it. You like, you're trying to do it. You know, it's out there and that, and that, and that balance is hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah no it is i mean i think especially when it comes to the sport like it's a new sport the qualification yeah. isn't like really clear you know I, for all we're all like trying to figure it out as we go along um, yeah. especially given the pandemic and like when things are going to happen and if and you know rumors are flying and people have questions but like you know i might i don't it, luckily it's like you don't really have a choice like i'm gonna train as if it's gonna happen yeah. and Um, that's the way that, you know,
0: that's, that's, that's always a funny question to me. People will say, you know, the Olympics are, are on the schedule or something's on the schedule and they don't realize Olympians and anyone, right. They're training for months and months and months. Right. So it's not like they can sit around and be like, well, I'll wait until I know it's going to be a go (laughs) and I'm just going to get in shape. It's like, you have to play it like it's real. Right. Until it's not.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's the key. Uh, And that's mentally, you know, the tough part for, I'm sure a lot of athletes, especially, you know, I think Olympians that were nearing the end of their career and were like, I'm going to retire after 2020. Well, that, you know, sets their life back, you know, a year. Do they do it? Do they decide not to? And so, yeah, I I think, you know, it's a a lot of athletes have have had to make some tough decisions, I'm sure.
0: Uh, If everything goes well, is this a one off for you? Would you like to keep doing this down the road?
1: Well, I mean, we'll see, like, you know, I I think the thing about the Olympics getting pushed back a year is that there's only three years until the next one. (laughs) So, um, so there's that, but also, you know, I, I, I truly believe that this style of three X three basketball is growing really fast. Um, the Olympics could be a launching pad for it. Um, just to get some eyes on it some visibility. I think people really fall in love with it when they see it. Um, You know, I don't know how long it took people to get on board with beach volleyball Uh, when that became a sport. I think it was in uh, 96, Atlanta was the the debut of beach volleyball as opposed to, you know, indoor volleyball. So, yeah, I mean, I think the growth, there's a lot of growth potential for the sport. And, you know, having been here since, I mean, at least 2014, basically, like I would love to, you know, write it out and see, you know, what it could become and how I can help it, um, you know, become even bigger than it than it already is.
0: And you're and you're a SoCal native, or you live there now?
1: Uh, SoCal native and currently live here. Yeah. Now. So
0: I'm sure there's there's a little bit of you that's keeping an eye on LA in 2028. I'm sure. So <laughs> yeah, If you yeah. can keep it rolling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll <laughs> almost be 40. I mean, look, yeah, trust me. Yeah, just go I, ahead. yeah, I don't think anyone. Uh, thinks I'm LeBron James, and you know, <laughs> you'll probably be playing in 2028. But you know, yeah, for the rest yeah. of us mere mortals, we'll see
0: yeah is there is there a current nba guy who obviously they're in the nba maybe they're doing the five and five olympic team but they'd be tailor-made for 3x
1: yeah i think anyone who's that 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 profile we talked about that you know 6a versatile guy i mean like lebron james could probably you know go and do high jump and do you know Yeah, yeah but yeah like that that kind of that that you know, there's that profile I think is becoming more and more common in the NBA, like yeah. your Kawhi Leonards, your Paul Georges, your, you know, LeBron. Um, you know, I mean, even like like Andrew Wiggins, who's becoming a really good two play two way player. Um, yeah, uh, what's the guy? Brandon Ingram. I yeah. mean, you know, guys who are who are big but can guard guards and guard bigs sure. and play on the ball, off the ball, come off screen, set screens. So yeah. Uh, you played in a couple of different countries. You've traveled around, uh, obviously
0: playing 3X. Is there, is there an all time story and only in Europe? Like, everyone I've talked to that's ever done anything internationally has <laughs> some wild story of something happened at a game or something crazy on a court. Obviously you played in um, not too far flung places, but did anything wild ever happen that you can share?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of wild things that have happened um you know some really great experiences in yeah. terms of you know one there was a couple of weeks where we played in uh played down in Rimini Italy and then you know drove to Switzerland through the Alps you know then had to fly to Deverson Hungary and then fly to like NG South Korea wow. and that was over the that those were like two weeks and I was at all those tournaments um, and working like, you know, oh man, <laughs> in between trying to like, you know, work in the car and, you know, but I also like appreciate the fact that we get to drive through the Alps and, you know, sure. look outside a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a tournament we were playing in Malaysia um, on Penang Island and it just started pouring, like just pouring. I mean, it was, um, it was, it was right on the beach and um basically this like wind and water just started like just raining like pour like literally pouring and it was like coming out to the court like sideways and the like the game we were playing was like almost over but we were mid-game we were winning and then like there was like three plays in a row where like my teammate Damon Huffman like tried to like go get a ball and ended up like slipping and literally like sliding like fully across the court and know they're like ah like they're like play on and so we
0: like (laughs) did another like two plays
1: and like two (laughs) guys were just like sliding and then we're like i I don't think i really you know i truly believe we cannot play any longer (laughs) yeah and so we had to like restart the game the next day finally they called it off but it was like you know it's funny that it's just kind of a um you just make a call at the time you're like i think we can finish this game like can you guys tough it out and then you know we tried and then it was like "Ah, i don't yeah no like yeah is too dangerous so um but yeah I mean that's what's kind of fun about the sport you never know like you have to play an extra like half a game on the day of the championship you know so it's it's always it's always interesting that's for sure
0: yeah and I think it's like like you said it's 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 gonna be something people can relate to everyone has done three and three at their local park or outdoor court so uh, it'll, it'll be fun to see that on the world stage for sure at a higher level you know yeah totally Um, excellent. Hey, Karim, this was great. We end with, uh, with our three, what's good questions of every episode, uh, starting first, what's, what's uh, something you've done for yourself lately?
1: Yeah. So one thing I've done for myself is, um, I mean, the impact of this has been so outsized. it's going to sound simple, but, um, literally getting up and just chugging like 20 ounces of water, Mm -hmm. uh, as the first thing I do. Uh, every morning. I mean, the, I just, it, it, I don't know why it helps so much, but it just, it really does. What's the, what's the effect? I, I just feel like, um, you know, number one, I've like accomplished something for the day, like right after waking up, even <laughs> if it's just drinking 20 ounces of water. And um, two, I don't know, it just gives me a second to kind of like, you know, slow down and think slowly about, um, you know, what I'm going to do next and be very like intentional about my day. Um, and yeah it's you know it it feels like it's easier to kind of get into a routine when you have that anchor uh, behavior that that you start off with so yeah it's it's been good you know I've say done that for a couple months now and um, it's I think been really helpful there's also the thing called the placebo effect so whatever it is it's working so sure
0: sure yeah and uh, it's a good way to like watch your calories too let up on some water early. And then, you know, you're good for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. um, what's what's something you've done for
1: someone else? Um, yeah, something I've done for, you know, we just in holiday season, but I've always been a horrible gift giver. Um, but this year I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, um, you know, I, I'm like a gift card guy. Like, yeah. you know, here's something generic, but um, thinking carefully about what would be special to give someone. Um, and, you know, my family happens to have like, all our birthdays are like loaded between like, you know, December 1st and like mid January in addition to like Christmas and everything. So, um, I was like, you know what, this year I'm going to actually invest time in, um, finding that perfect, perfect gift uh, for, for people. And yeah, I I think the reactions that I've gotten, um, you know, everyone's always grateful for gifts, whatever they are, gift cards or whatever, but, um, you know, I think it's even been positive for me to, to think through, I don't know, just put yourself in someone's shoes and, and say, what would they really appreciate? So, so yeah, I think just actually don't, I mean, it's technically to answer your question, I've given a yeah. lot of different things to other people, but um, just being, you know, more thoughtful about it.
0: What was there amount, like a terrible gift you gave once where you're just like, I'm, I'm not good at this. Like, I don't know what to get people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. Like, I feel like I gave someone like, C's candy and they'd like, don't eat candy. But <laughs> yeah, like <sure. laughs> C's candy is good. Like everyone loves C's candy. So I was like, then I thought about it. I was like, oh, that was stupid. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: and, and last, what's what's something you turn to kind of unplug something that makes you laugh? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so I probably, you know, once a week will fall down like a, a TikTok rabbit hole. Um, I feel like TikTok it might be one of the most creative places on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, I'll just like let myself you know swipe for a little bit um, and play around on that. But I, I you know I don't make TikToks. I'm not doing dance videos or anything like that. But um, I just think there's some really really funny creators on that platform. Um, so I'll 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 let myself you know lose lose half an hour scrolling.
0: Good stuff. A little TikTok. I mean,
1: you never know. You might get
0: sucked into one of these trends. Maybe you start recording <laughs> something. We'll see. But
1: yeah, yeah. I think hey, that's yeah. it. what you can learn from TikTokers is like they're very confident. Like, I don't think I can say anything that's funny enough for all these people to watch it. So, yeah. So <laughs> uh, Kareem Maddox, uh,
0: great to talk with you. Best luck at the qualifiers and hopefully you get the chance to uh, be at the Olympics in Tokyo.
1: Appreciate that, Greg. Thanks for having me on.
0: You got it, man. Take care.